How's everybody doing this morning? Happy Easter. We're going to find out if you've been in church before. He is risen. Come on. Amen, you guys. Welcome. We're so glad that you're joining us this morning. And um, we just loved our time of prayer this morning. And I want to open this up for us this morning. It's in Isaiah 53, 5. And it says this. It's kind of starting a little bit before Isaiah 53.3. And it's talking about the Messiah when he would come, who he would be. And it says this. He was despised and dejected. Or he was despised and rejected and forsaken by men. A man of sorrows and pains. And acquainted with grief and sickness. And like one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised. And we did not appreciate his worth or have any esteem for him. Surely he has borne our griefs, sicknesses, weaknesses, and distresses, and carried our sorrows and pains of punishment. Yet we uh, considered him stricken, smitten, and afflicted by God. As if with leprosy, leprosy was very unclean, and you could not approach the, um, the the priest when that occurred. But he was wounded for our transgressions; he was bruised for our guilt and iniquities. The chastisement, the needful um, needful to re- obtain peace and well-being for us, was upon him, and with the stripes that wounded him, we are healed and made whole. Today represents the greatest day in history, and it is our victory over sin and death in the grave because he rose. And so this morning, we are going to worship Jesus together. We have this sense this morning of you being able to experience who God is, this love that was poured out for you, this love that was poured out for me. And um, it's wherever you find yourself, he has borne all of your weakness. He's borne all of your distresses. He's borne all of your shame. He has borne all of that and absorbed it in his body on the cross when he was sacrificed for us. One of the greatest things and the greatest delight for me as a person who messes up sometimes is that when the, in, the old, in the old covenant that when people brought their sacrifice to the high priest to be offered, the priest did not look at the person bringing the lamb. The priest looked at the, uh, at they, they, he looked at the lamb. Was the lamb perfect and without, without spot? And this morning we are worshiping the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, Jesus. And this morning that sacrifice was enough for you and I. It was more than enough for my sin and messing up forever and ever and ever. And it's enough for your wholeness whatever that looks like this morning. So would you stand with me this morning as we get ready to worship? Yeah, King Jesus, we worship you this morning. We honor you. We declare that your victory is in this house this morning, that the victory of the sacrifice that was perfect and was pleasing and acceptable to the Father, that was full of the love of God for us, Lord, to redeem us and to restore us to right standing as sons and daughters, Lord, no longer as servants or as slaves and slaves to sin, but we are sons and daughters in your house this morning. God, we thank you for the greatest victory that has ever happened. It is the most beautiful and the most powerful demonstration of the love of God. Lord, we worship you and we honor you this morning, King Jesus. Amen.
went to the tomb and it was empty. It was empty. See you. 
beautiful picture of the power of the resurrection for us and for our lives. Um, when Lazarus died and he was in the tomb and uh, when he was in the grave, when he, when, when, when Jesus called his name forth and said, Lazarus, come forth, he couldn't come out of the grave because stuff was wrapped around him. And Jesus said, loose him, undo the grave clothes that have been holding him bound. And this morning, because of the resurrected Jesus, the things that want to hold you tied up and bound up and keep you from being free, this morning, there is an empty grave invitation for you. There is an empty grave invitation that says, I am greater than your shame. I am greater than your sickness. I am greater than your weaknesses. I am greater than your depression. I am greater than anything that wants to hold you bound this morning because of the empty grave. Jesus conquered and defeated every work of the devil on our behalf and restored us to our rightful place as sons and daughters. So this morning, there is no fear in your future. There's no sickness for you to own in your future. There is no disease to dwell in your body because of Jesus, what he has accomplished. I know we battle those things sometimes, but they are imposters. I'm going to say that again. They're imposters. They don't belong to you. Jesus absorbed them in his body on the cross. And this morning, you are free. It is completely finished. It's not your good works. It's not you being good enough. It's not you behaving enough. It's not you being right enough. It's not you being legal enough. It is about the overwhelming love of a father who sent his son to restore you to what was robbed and taken away. And he rose from a grave and he sits on high at the right hand of the father. And today you and I are seated in a heavenly place next to the Jesus we are co-heirs. We are brothers and sisters. We are sons and daughters of the Most High God. So this morning, there's an invitation of yes on your behalf to say, I'm coming out of the grave. I'm not letting anything hold me back this morning. I'm not letting my shame that Jesus already dealt with on the cross hold me back. Nothing holding you back. Loose those grave clothes this morning. Loose those grave clothes. There's nothing that's around you. There's no cloths, no linens, no bondage, no nothing. It is absolute, complete, fulfilled freedom in the name of Jesus for you this morning. So we're going to do this song again. So it's a new hope for you this morning. It's a new horizon. Can you imagine how Lazarus felt when even for him, 
a stone was rolled away and was moved and you could see and there was light cracking through. Anybody ever see like the crack of light coming through like a window or something when the dawn starts to come up? This morning, there's a new horizon of freedom for you to walk in because of the finished work of Jesus. Amen. Let's worship again together. Goodbye, fear. Goodbye, guilt. Goodbye, shame. <laughs> Goodbye, pain. Goodbye, grave. It's a new horizon. Goodbye, fear. Goodbye, guilt. Goodbye, shame. Goodbye, pain. Goodbye. God. We're going to do communion this morning together as a family. Alan and Diane are going to lead that with us this morning. We're going to do communion. So thank you. Thank you, Lord, for your presence among us, Lord. We're so grateful, Lord, that you love to be with us. Lord, you love to be with us. You desire to be with us. And God, our response is to such a great love, Lord. Our response is such a great love to you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We worship you. Alan's going to be presenting um, some information about communion that's so very precious. And how precious it is that we get to have communion like we do once a month, but we get to do it on Easter. Have you all heard that phrase, it's Friday, but Sunday's coming, and now it's Sunday. And I, I'm going to pass it over to him, but what's been hitting my heart is there is no resurrection without there being a cross. And it's not our cross, it's his cross. We didn't have to do anything. In fact, if we had done it, we would have messed it up, Okay. But there is no resurrection without the cross, but there is a resurrection, and we're going to walk in it. We're going to walk in the, the fact of it 
and in the power of it. And it's going to change us and our world. I'm excited now. So, uh, during the during this time that we we call communion, uh, and and the time of the Last Supper, it was actually a Passover seder. And so 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 the the disciples were familiar with it. They were familiar with. Uh, what it meant for the Passover, the uh, taking, bringing uh, the people of Israel in freedom out of Egypt. And so in this Last Supper, we have a Seder meal and Christ introduces something completely different. I mean, he uses the symbolic bread to represent his body. And then he, he adds the wine, which is the blood that he shed for us for forgiveness of our sins. And he foreshadows this new covenant that is getting ready to come through his death. And like Diane says, it's not, it's not that there's a cross anymore because there is no cross. What there is is an empty tomb. But what there is is life, a newness, a resurrection, which we all get to experience. And we do that through this communion, this remembrance of, who, of what Christ did, of who he is, and who we are in him. He gave it to us. He did it for our lives. He did it for our newness. He reestablished, he reestablished brokenness between us and God through his death through his blood which was life so when we come this morning it's an open communion table uh, I'd ask you to come down the center and take your cup and juice and then go off to the sides uh, it's, it's for everybody uh, you as parents uh, decide if, how you would like to share your communion with your children because they're certainly welcome to partake also. So if y'all can be making your way to the front uh, as we start this process, and, and think about, think about, today, there is no Christ on a cross. There's no Christ uh, that's dead. He is alive. I'm just going to be very, very real with you. When we were talking about communion, um, Alan is my encyclopedia. For those of you that are young, it used to be a book, you know, that you could look at, and lots of, they take up a whole bunch of shelves. He, he's my Google. There, there you go. Dr. Google, whatever, all that. And as we were talking about it, um, I'm, I'm the bleeding heart one, if you haven't figured that one out yet. And what I, what I heard when he was sharing some really important facts was tender to me. And it was like these men were gathering something they had done every year of a Passover. This was nothing new. This was their religious practice. And they're like, okay, we're going to have dinner with, with Jesus. And we, we know he's got plans for us, and we sure have plans for him. And we're going to have the bread, and we're unleavened bread, and we're going to have the wine. And he says, hold on. Like Alan said, take this bread. It's my body broken for you. And it's like, hold up. That's what Dave was, hold up. Broken? That doesn't fit. But it fit his eternal plan. And it was spoken even in the Old Testament. It was all prophesied in advance. I'm going to read one thing from Luke. And it was talking about that he took the bread and he gave thanks and he broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's do that together. And as we do, that's where our spirit is and our heart is, is we do it remembering what you did for us.
in the same way, after the supper, he took the cup and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. And they didn't understand because it didn't look like what they believed it was supposed to look like. He wasn't supposed to come in on a donkey and he wasn't supposed to be sacrificed and die. But he knew better. And God says to each one of us, as we get ready to take the cup, come willingly, accept this, and I will blow your expectations away also. I have life for you. I have paid the price as the perfect Passover lamb, once and for all. So let's join together and take this symbolic gesture of his blood poured out for us, and it is finished, and we get to remember he paid the price. Now we get to live in the life. Let's do this together. So, Father, we are, we are, um, we are without words to express our great thanks and gratitude for your abundant mercy and your gift to us of everlasting life. Lord, we, we just want to honor you, to experience your life, to experience who you are and live in that in its fullness. Father, we just want to praise you. And thank you, thank you for your, your grace, thank you for your love, thank you for life, in Jesus' name. If you're a guest with us this morning, we're so glad that you chose to join us for Easter service. And if you're watching online, we're glad that you are joining us as well. Um, you can go to DothanCF.com and connect with us there, and we'd love to hear about your story and share some of our story and our history and our vision of where we're going. And um, next week on the 16th, um, because there are quite a few like new people with us, we are doing a membership class, and what we would like for you to know first is to know about us, who we are, what we believe, and you can come and be a part of that next Sunday morning. It's going to be at 830 and we look forward to hearing from you. You can let me know or let David know if you're in-house, if you're interested in doing that and find out a little bit more about it. Um, and if you're watching online, you can contact us through our website as well. And we are so thankful for the generosity of this house. Um, because of your generosity, um, lives are being transformed. People are understanding the gospel and the message of grace. They are understanding who they are. They're knowing their identity and walking in that. And so we have a heart to see more lives transformed by experiencing the Lord's goodness. And um, this morning we're going to dismiss our kids to um, Kid Life. We are going to be celebrating and having a party. I don't know what y'all are doing out here, but that's what we're doing back there. So um, we hope y'all have a great service. Pastor Dave's going to be back in just a minute to share with us. All right. Good morning, everybody. If you are new here, thanks so much for being with us. We're glad you guys are here. I pray you've already experienced the presence of God in our worship. I know I enjoyed it. And that you'll just continue to encounter uh, God's kindness, His amazing love for you as we kind of go through the rest of our, our, our service. Um, I'm starting a new series today called This is Love. And so I'm just going to jump right in. Um, the resurrection changed everything. Because of the resurrection, we know what the cross was all about. Because of Easter, we understand the meaning of Good Friday. At the cross, Jesus died in our place for our sins. Jesus entered into our pain and our shame. We sang about that. Jesus came and took the weight of evil itself so that its power could be broken. And because Jesus didn't stay in the grave, we see that the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ is God in his love freeing us from sin God in his love overcoming death. God in his love announcing that a new creation will come. Because of the death and the resurrection of Jesus, 
we see that the love of God, when we look at Jesus, we can say that this, this is love. And I want to talk today about the first part of that, about God in his love freeing us from sin. And I want to start with a story. Uh, Karen and I were pastoring a church in Tyler, Texas many years ago. Um, we had some friends who had a little girl named Sasha, and she was just starting to talk, and her favorite phrase was, do it self. That was, <laughs> she said it all the time, and it was super cute until it wasn't. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and so anyway, they said one morning they heard a noise in the kitchen. Sasha was making her own breakfast. She was trying to pour the milk into the cereal with a gallon jug, and the gallon jug was probably as big as she was. And so um, it went all over the floor, of course, and before they could get in there, she grabbed, grabbed something that wasn't a rag but became a rag to clean it up with. And when they got in there, their question was, why didn't you ask for help, right? And it became apparent very quickly because it's hard enough to ask for help. But it's even harder when you have to ask for help to clean up a mess of your own making. We don't like to ask God for help. It's how we are as adults. Um, It's how we were as kids. It's how we are as adults. We want to try on our own. We want to do it self. (laughs) We want to take matters into our own hands. And when a mess ensues, we resist asking for help again, mainly because we're embarrassed or ashamed or both. Asking for help to resolve a mess we've made means we have to admit that we're at fault, and we don't want to admit guilt. Guilt is an uncomfortable feeling, and sorry is an uncomfortable word. We'd rather deny it, ignore it, recover on our own, or even justify our actions. But I think you agree that admitting that we've done something wrong is painful, and yet it won't go away. The feeling that we've fallen short, that we've failed, eats away at us. Culture doesn't really have a word for this. We tend to psychologize our shortcomings so that we can be recast as a result of someone else's failure. We are the way we are, we say, because of our parents, our community, our poor education we received, or some other way that the system has failed us. And that's true enough. Systems do carry part of the problem. But that doesn't ease, or sorry, doesn't erase the problem. If anything, it actually expands it. It isn't just individuals who failed, but it's communities, systems have failed. And still, what's the word for that? The Bible's word for that is sin. Sin is the sense of missing the mark, of failing to be who God created us to be. It's falling short of our original vocation, which was um, to be God's image bearers in the earth, to reflect God's wisdom and love and rule into the world. That's what he called us to. Sin is also a rebellion, a turning away from God, a decision to move against him or independent of him. Sin is a transgression, a crossing of lines, of boundaries, a violation of another person. And ultimately, sin is power. It's a sin with a capital S that holds us captive and paralyzes us, especially with shame. Take all of it together and you realize that sin is a dead end. It's a big, grand game over. So what do we do now? In the Bible, there's a story of a follower of Jesus who'd fallen short in a spectacular way. In fact, his failure was so dramatic, so epic, his story should have ended right there. Of course, his name was Peter. He wasn't just one of Jesus' followers. He was one of Jesus' closest friends. And his sin was not just a crossing of the line or a minor departure or coming up a bit short. His sin was flat-out denial of Jesus three times. It's no wonder that Peter had gone back to his old way of life after all this happened. He seemed to still be around the disciples, but he was not quite the same. When the disciples heard the news that Jesus was alive, the Bible says that Peter and John ran to the empty tomb. John got there first, and Peter followed behind, maybe a bit tentatively. John, seeing the grave clothes lying there, stained and sullied in the empty tomb, the Bible says that John believed. Peter, we don't know what Peter thought. John doesn't say. Then Jesus appears to Mary, calling her by name. Then Jesus Jesus appears to the disciples, passing through a locked door. As if that weren't enough, Thomas asked to see his wounds, and Jesus shows him his hands and feet and even puts his finger in his side. Was Peter there in the room with the disciples that day? John doesn't say, so we don't know. 
But in the next chapter, John gives us a long account of an encounter with Peter in the risen Jesus. Peter, who, who seems to still be in contact with the disciples, he's still hanging around, announces that he's going fishing. Look at John 21.3. It says, Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. Most of you know he was a fisherman. They said to him, we'll go with you. They went out and got into the boat. And the Bible says something very interesting, but it says, but that night they caught nothing. What must Peter have been feeling after his denial of Jesus? Okay, maybe Jesus is alive, but that only makes things worse for me. Now I know that not only I shouldn't have denied him, but Jesus knows that I did that. How could I ever face him? It's hard to say I'm sorry, especially when the wrong is this deep. How could Peter recover from this kind of shame? He was supposed to be the leader. He had walked on water. He had confessed Jesus as the Messiah. And now he had denied him three times, no less. How could he regain any credibility with his friends? It's a wonder he's probably thinking that they even still hang around me. See, this is what shame does. Shame isolates us. It tells us we're the only ones. It says that our sin is uniquely disqualifying, that no one else has ever done anything quite like this. It makes, it makes us the exception in the worst possible way. We're the one person who can't be forgiven. We've done the one thing that cannot be set right. We've gone past the point of return. We've fallen too far. Shame tells us it's game over. It's the end. And in a sense, that's true. Sin is a dead end. The Bible says it this way, the wages of sin is death in Romans 6.23. Shame, the kind that comes from actual guilt, is not a liar. It just tells us the story as it stands without Jesus. And then Jesus shows up. Jesus shows up in the middle of Peter's fishing trip, John 21. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore but the disciples did not realize that it was him. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they said. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved, that's what John called himself many, many times, said to Peter, it's the Lord. And as soon as, soon as Simon Peter heard him say it's the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him and he jumped into the water. What I love about this story is that Jesus meets Peter right where he is. Peter tries in the story to retreat to his old familiar place. He went back to doing what he had done before he met Jesus. He was in his comfort zone. He was in his comfort zone. Jesus doesn't just meet him there, though. He seems to reenact the scene of Peter's first calling. It was like he was taking Peter back to the start, back to where it all began. But something now is radically different. Now, the resurrection has occurred. Now listen to this. It was not a resuscitation. It was a resurrection. Those are not the same things. Jesus had raised with a new kind of life. His body had been transformed in a new kind of body. It's part of the reason John tells us things like Jesus is walking through closed doors and eating fish on the beach. There were things about his resurrection body that were just like his previous body, and there were things that were very, very different. And resurrection life is like that. It's the completion and the perfection of all that's good and pure and true. The resurrection changes everything, and it changed the way Jesus called Peter this time. When Jesus first called Peter, it was about a purpose. Matthew 4, he says, follow me and I will make you a fisher of men. But now, this time, after the resurrection, it's no longer about a purpose. It's about a person. He says to Peter, do you love me? Three times he says that. And that's a whole sermon in itself. But for today, what I want you to see is this, that when we retreat in shame, Jesus comes after us again and again and again and again. His love will never stop chasing us. His love will never let us go. His love can change everything. What Jesus did for Peter that day, he wants to do for you and I. They were um, the, the disciples, he talks about the disciples, he'd already appeared to them. They were in a locked room, afraid and confused, wondering if Jesus really had been raised from the dead. And if so, what did that mean to them? 
John writes about this in John 20, verse 19. He says, on the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were fear were in there were the fear of the Jews. Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw him. Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I'm sending you. And then he does something really interesting. Verse 22 says, and when he had said this, he breathed on them and he said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. The risen Jesus breathes new life into us. The life of the Spirit, the Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead is now in his followers. He announces that true peace is theirs. No more fear, no more shame, no more guilt. Peace, the true and the deep sense of being put back together again, of being set right, set right with God and with one another. And then Jesus sends them out into the world. This peace, he's saying, is not just for them. The newness of life that they've received is not just for a select few. The good news is good news for the whole wide world. Because of the resurrection, your sins can be forgiven. Think of it, our sins, our missing the mark, our falling short, our transgressing, crossing the lines are forgiven because Jesus died, but he also rose again. And the power of sin, I mentioned before, that kept us bound, that paralyzed us, that held us in the same patterns of failure over and over again is now broken because of Jesus being raised again and breathing his spirit into us. To be forgiven is to be free, free from guilt, free from shame and from the power that enslaved us and free to be fully human, to be what God made us to be, to reflect his image, his wisdom, his love into the world. Peter's life changed that day. He went on to lead the start of a movement that would be called the church. He preached boldly and suffered greatly. He shepherded a flock of believers and taught them what it means to live forgiven and free. There was a deep love for Jesus anchored him, anchored inside of him for the rest of his entire life. And it all began that day that Jesus found him on the shores and he restored him. Friends, your life can change today. Jesus can restore you. The whole trajectory of your life can change today. Maybe you thought it was game over, that you hit a dead end because of a mistake that you've made or a destructive habit that you've been caught in. But I've got good news for you. It's not over. Just as it wasn't over when Jesus died on the cross and was buried, it's not over for you. Because Jesus carried our sins upon himself on the cross, because God raised Jesus from the dead in victory over sin and death, it is not over. Sin is not the end. The resurrection changed everything. The scriptures tell us in Romans 5, God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were enemies of God, while we were stuck in sin, while we were caught in the trap, Jesus came and he died for us. Before we even knew how to call on his name, God came running after us. God comes running after you, just like he came running after Peter that day. Today is your day. Today, this, this is love, and it can change everything. I want to close with a prayer. And if you're willing, if you've never done it before, you can pray this prayer with me. Or you can pray a prayer like it. There's nothing magic in the prayer. The whole idea behind this is it's something that's happening inside of your heart, a declaration that you want to make to God. So if you will, just bow your head with me. And again, pray this prayer with me if that's something that you want to do. Dear Jesus, I need your help. Lord, I'm stuck. I've hit a dead end. I don't want to admit it, but it's true. I've crossed a line. I shouldn't have crossed. I've fallen short of what I now know you made me to be. I've failed in my love for you and in my love for others. But still, Lord, you came for me. You died for me. You were raised again for me. And Lord, you call to me. And so today, Lord, I'm saying yes. I want to give you my life. I want to love you fully. And I want to follow you closely. I know I can't do it on my own. I need your resurrection life. Just as you breathed on your disciples with the Holy Spirit, Lord, 
breathe on me. I receive your Holy Spirit. I welcome your saving rule in my life. I receive your forgiveness and your freedom. Thank you for the peace that you bring. I am yours. Amen. If you prayed that prayer this morning, I would love to connect with you and and hear your story and maybe even pray with you again. If you have a need this morning, whether it's emotional, whether it's physical in your body, if you have a need, we would love, our team's going to be up here, we would love to pray for you as well. Outside, we've got a, a, a photo booth. If you, if you haven't had a chance yet to do this, take a picture out here. Connect. Love on one another. But more importantly, as we go into this series, I want to talk, continue to talk about what it means, what the resurrection means, and what that life means in you. But if you prayed that prayer, would you come up and talk to me? I would love to hear your story. I just want to pray for us as a congregation before we close. So Jesus, we come and we say thank you for this day and everything, Lord, that it represents Lord, thank you that all around the world today, um, your people, Lord, are celebrating your resurrected life. Lord, we're remembering. We're remembering what you did for us on the cross. But, Lord, that it wasn't, that wasn't the end of the story, Lord. It wasn't even that you were in the grave. Lord, I, I love the story of Mary when she comes and she looks in and the two angels are there and she's weeping, Lord. And she's, that, the angels say to, to her, why are you weeping? And then she turns around and she sees, she sees you, Lord, but she thinks you're the gardener. And she says to you, um, do you know where they have lain him? Lord, in her mind, you were still dead. And Jesus, you called her name again, and she recognized you, and she believed, and she saw a risen Savior. Lord, I pray that that's what would happen today, Lord. That because of what you did on the cross, Lord, you, you said it is finished. All the payment for all of my sin, for all of time, for all of the world, Lord, it was completed on that day. You said it is finished. And Lord, the only thing that we're supposed to do about that is we have to choose whether we believe that, Lord, that you did that for us. Lord, that we can't do it self. Lord, we can't do it on our own. We cannot do it in our strength because our strength isn't strong enough. But, Lord, yours is. So, Lord, we just welcome you in to our life. Lord, we want to come into the life that you are offering us, Lord, the mission, the plan, Lord, the restoration for me, for my family, for everyone around me, Lord, that's your desire, is that you take new life, put it inside me, Lord, and as I go and I spread this good news, Lord, that new life spreads to everyone around me. So Jesus, we just receive again and again this new life. And for that, Lord, we say thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Our team will be up here. We'd love to pray for you. If not, we love you. Have a wonderful, wonderful Resurrection Sunday. Amen.